Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Good evening. Two thousand years ago, Jesus said to the people, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle in heart. And there will be rest for your soul. For my yoke is light and my burden is easy. Today, Jesus is saying the same thing to all of you. Come to me. All you who are weary, all you who are tired, all you who are sad, all you who are lonely, all you who are empty. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest not only for this evening, but I will give you rest for the rest of your lives if you just understand the things I'm going to teach you here tonight. That you will leave here light in heart, light in spirit, light in mind, unburdened. And you never need to carry those burdens again if you just remember that I'm here to carry them for you. Come to me, all you. Oh, we are in and I will give you rest. Ever since the beginning of this year, I've been talking to you about rest. I've been talking to you about grace. I've been talking to you about how to live this abundant life that Jesus has promised all of us. But for many of us, it still remains something very hard to understand and accept that all of this is here waiting for you at no cost and no charge. We still think we need to earn it. And lately I've been getting a lot of questions from people who simply do not fathom that all these wonderful things that God gives us can actually be free. And I want you to know, they really are free. Today I'm going to do a reverse teaching in the sense I'm going to try to teach you. From the other way around, instead of coming straight as I've been coming all these days, because I think maybe that might help you understand. And the only story I can think of telling you is a story that all of you know. And I wanted to tell you this story last week, but I didn't because I thought that most of you know it. And, you know, just like with people, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes even with stories, we think we know them so well, we don't need to learn anything more from them. But I think there's a lot that all of us can learn from this story. And it's the story of the prodigal son. Do you know it? Do you know what it means? Say yes. Brave people. Don't do everything I tell you to do. I'm going to tell you this story again, and I promise you, you're going to learn things about God and life from this story that you've never heard before. And the first story that we need to really remember and 
focus on is the Father's great love. Do you believe he loves you? Are you sure about that? I am not so sure that you know how much he loves you. So I'm going to tell you this story in my own words. And I want you to pay attention because this story has everything to do with grace. And if we don't understand that grace, we're constantly going to live in condemnation and fear and we're constantly going to get tired because we're constantly going to try to get this love that God wants to give us for free and all the blessings that come along with it. There was once a rich man, wealthy landowner, had a huge mansion with many rooms. He had a wife, looked after her very well. She loved him a lot. And they had two children, good boys for the most part, like most children are. The eldest son was a little stuck-up kind of guy, you know. He, I don't think he smiled very much. And at the dinner table, he would always be very polite. You know, pass me the salt, please, and pass me the sugar, please, and pass me the teaspoon, please. He had a younger brother, though, who wasn't so stuck up. On the contrary, he was very wild. And more likely than not, he would kind of reach out for the salt, pushing down everything as he did that. Some people are like that. Have you noticed in the world? There are some people who are very straight. There are some people who are very sober. But there are some people who are very wild, like horses. And sometimes wild horses cannot be tamed. And I've seen enough movies about wild horses to know how difficult it is to tame one of these free-spirited creatures. Have you ever seen a movie like that? You have, haven't you? Now this wild boy one day got sick of the comfort. He said, this is too easy. I don't like this kind of life anymore. I'm tired of being with my father and kind of staying in this sterile environment. Yes, I got everything I need, but I want to live life. I want to taste it. I want to smell it. I want to feel it. So one day he goes to his father and says, yo, pops, I'm leaving. You know, and the father said, why? You have everything you need, yeah. I know that's the problem, father. I got everything I need, yeah. But what I don't have is this peace in my heart. There's a restlessness in my spirit. And I need to go out there and I need to taste life for myself. I don't need to take everything you feed me. I'm sure the father tried to talk his son out of it, but the son was a damn. You know, you met stubborn people too sometimes. Yeah. Wild people usually tend to be very stubborn. Have you noticed? Take a look at me. Never mind. Don't. So the father said, go, and the young man went, and he went away to a distant country, far away, where his father's hand could not reach. And over there, he did crazy things. He wanted to be wild. He was wild. So he lived wild. He drank. He gambled. He went to prostitutes. He generally had what he thought was a good time. Except all the time he was doing this, there was a disquiet in his spirit that just made him realize that whatever he was trying to do was not making him happy, but making him unhappy. And with every day that passes, instead of filling his soul, he found himself getting emptier and emptier. One day it all went. There was a deep hole within him. And to make things worse, around that time he started to lose all his money. Everything started to go away. His friends started to run away. 
The famine hit that country. There were no jobs to be had. And in desperation, finally, he hired himself out to a farmer to feed his pigs. And over there in the pigsty, he suddenly came to his senses and says, what am I doing here? Why am I sitting in a sty envying the food the pigs are eating when in my father's home even the servants have better food to eat? He said, I will go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be a son. Make me a servant, but please simply take me home. Take me back. He got up from the pigsty. His clothes were tattered and torn. His hair was disheveled. He was dirty. He was weak. He stunk to high heaven. And he trudged his way slowly back, every step getting more difficult the closer he was coming to his father because he didn't know what to expect. And then as he approached the house, he saw his father running towards him. And he's thinking, now what? What's going to happen? A thousand questions are going to be asked. I have no answers. I wasted all that money. There was so much of it and I just blew it all away. And I'm coming here and what face do I have to show my father? And then to his amazement, his father just enveloped him in his arms and said, my son, I missed you so much. Welcome home. Did the boy deserve to be loved like that? Did the boy deserve to be treated the way the father did? Because it didn't end there. After he embraced the boy, he turned to the servants and says, bring the best robe, bring my robe, and put it on him. Dirty, stinking boy with tattered clothes. He takes the best robe and drapes it around the boy himself. Then he says, bring the ring, my ring, and put it on his finger. Let this boy know that he has the power and authority that I have because he's my son. And then he said, put sandals on his feet so that this child of mine will understand he's not going to be my servant because he is my son. And he's going to walk in my house with the sandals of sonship. What a beautiful story. How many times have you heard it? I'm convinced we don't understand it. And I'll tell you why we don't understand it. Because nobody speaks about the other boy in this story. I'm going to talk about him now. The elder son, the stuck-up son. He never liked his younger brother. It's too wild for him. When he would play classical music, the young man would come and put rock. But he'd want to dance the walls, the younger man would want to do disco. Where he would go to his father and kind of say, good afternoon, father. The younger son would say, hi, dad, how's it going? And the father would actually smile. 
You know people like that? I do. And one day this younger brother goes to the father and says, Father, I'm sick of living in your house. I'm sick of this comfortable life. I want to go and be wild. And the elder brother feels like giving one across the head. And then the boy goes. Amazingly, the father gives him the money that he asks for. Money that could have belonged to him. He's the elder son. What are you doing taking my share of the estate? And then the boy goes away and the elder brother keeps hearing stories of wild living. How he's with this woman this night and how he's with that woman another night. And how he's drinking and he has sometimes to be carried home because he can't walk. He hears about how this boy gets into drugs and how he gets into gambling and how he gets into all these habits. And the stories come filtering back to him and he is furious. One day he's in the field. He has the sound of music coming from the house. He goes to the house and he calls one of the servants and says, hey, what's going on? And the servant says to the brother, don't you know? Your younger brother is home and your father has killed a fatted calf and has thrown a party for him. What? You must be kidding me? My father didn't kill him? Servant says, why don't you come in? There's no way I'm entering the house. No way I'm going to party to celebrate this wastrel's coming home. No way am I going to do that. And the father comes out and says, son, why aren't you coming in? And the boy explodes. Years of resentment built up in him just explodes. And he says to the father, listen, the finger that never came up all those years comes up on that day. Listen, all these years I slaved for you. I was your donkey. I worked my butt out for you. And you never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, he doesn't say my brother. When this son of yours who has squandered his wealth on prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. How many of you empathize? I don't ask you to raise your hands. But how many of you here empathize with the elder brother and say he's right in thinking what he's thinking. I know. I know that most of the church thinks like the elder brother does. We can't believe it. it doesn't equate in our heads. I have been faithful. I have lived all my life doing the things of God. I've trusted him. And yet I've got nothing. All these years of labored and labored and labored. And this guy who's wasted his entire life comes to you and you treat him like a king. I'm saying to all of you who feel this way, and I know there are many. I say to you what the father said. Whatever is mine is yours. You wanted a goat, 
All the goats I had are yours. But you never understood. You thought you had to work for it. You thought you had to earn it. Every single thing that I gave, that I have, is yours because you're my son. And not only are you my son, you're my firstborn. You are the firstborn of God. How is it that we've never understood that? Everything is free. You're in the house. This huge mansion and every blessing is that. You want healing, it's that. You want money, it's that. You want favor, it's that. You want anointing, it's that. How is it you don't understand? Think about the prodigal son for a minute. He didn't have anything. He went away from his father and he lost it all. He just thought he had a good time when he didn't. He was there in the mud. He was there running from day to day. Just like so many in the world are. So many of us are. Struggling, struggling, struggling to hide the emptiness. To take away the loneliness. To take away the pain. So the booze comes out and the women, women come out. Like the father says, he was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive. You should be happy. But you can't be happy because you never knew how much I loved you. You know, this story means a lot to me because it's my story. And I think the reason I understand grace so well is because when I came back home, all I got was love. Tremendous love. Love I didn't merit. Love I couldn't earn. It was just there, that forgiveness, that mercy, that compassion, the blessings, it was all there. And that is the essence of grace, that you've not done anything to deserve it, and yet it's there. And I come home, and I'm, there's a party, there's a party, there's a party still going on. Every day is a party for me. Because in my father's house, there is, there's only merrymaking. Because they're only blessings. And with their blessings, then how can you not make merry? I got every treasure I want in my home with my father. If there's anything I need, I know it is there for the taking. I don't even need sometimes to go and ask him for it. Even though he likes me to ask him for things every now and then. So he feels good that I come and say, Father, can you give me this? But it's all there. Everything I need. And I need you to understand that here today. Because if you're going to leave this place today, and if you're going to leave free, you have to understand that every single thing that was given to me after I came back home is yours already because you already are home. But we don't. We become like the Pharisees whom Jesus told this story to. They're the guys who thought they had to work their way into the Father's heart. And what did they do? They kept the law to the letter. And Jesus had to tell them one day, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? You think just because you don't commit adultery, you're not doing anything wrong? I tell you, guys, if you so much as look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you commit adultery. You think just because you've not murdered anyone, you're good and you're righteous? I tell you, if you call so much 
If you, if you do so much as call someone a fool, you've committed murder. He was tripping their sense of righteousness because he wanted them to understand there is no way that anyone could make their way to heaven. The prophet Isaiah said, your righteousness are like dirty rags. Listen to this carefully. He's not saying your sins are like dirty rags. He's saying your righteousness is like dirty rags. You know what dirty rags are? They're the menstrual clots of a woman. He's saying your righteousness, the righteousness that you parade before me, thinking that you're holy and thinking that you're pure. That's what they're like. Don't ever come in front of me and say that you're righteous because you stink to high heaven. The reason you're righteous is because I give that to you and that is not something you can earn. That is a free gift. That is grace. That is amazing grace. I've told you this story so you understand. I've had people resent me since the moment I came home and I have people who still resent me and they still say, why does he deserve all these blessings? I've been with God all these years. I should have been there in front of people, talking to them, testifying to them, but he's there taking all the glory. What they don't understand and what you don't understand is the reason I'm here is simply because of grace, because I've not done to earn something that cannot be earned. And the reason I stand here is because of his glory, not mine. And the reason it is because of his glory is because I've not done anything to earn it. So I have no reason to stand and say, I did it. And that's the problem with us. We think we work and we work and we work. We think we'll live good lives and good lives and good lives. And God is going to honor us. He's not going to honor you. Because in front of his eyes, you parade your righteousness and you're like dirty cloths. Are you listening to me? I wanted to be gentle. I hope I am being gentle despite whatever I'm saying. Because I want us to understand that you can't earn something that is free. You can't enjoy something that is free if you try to pay for it. And you have to realize that this cannot be bought. That this is a gift. You also have to realize is that once you're in the house, you can't start to work to keep your salvation, to keep all the blessings because they're already yours. You just have to trust that your father, who's a wise man, will look after you. And that's what brings me to grace after salvation is that after being saved, we say, okay, because everybody tells us, now you've been saved, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do that. I want you to know something here today. You don't need to do anything. I said this last week, and somebody came to me and said, okay, I don't need to do anything, but now tell me what I need to do. <laughs> no, it's a serious question. How do we get there? Jesus says be holy, no? Jesus says be pure, no? Jesus says be perfect, no? What do we need to do? I'm going to tell you because we do need to do something. What we need to do is actually three things. One, have faith. Say, have faith. Have faith, have faith in what? Have faith that God loves you so much. He has given you salvation for free. Do you believe that? 
I don't care what you believe before you came in here, believe it today. Yes? I want you to have faith that he who started the good work in you will bring it to completion. Do you believe that? Which means what? It means you don't have to put in too much of effort and to do anything. You just believe that God will do in you what he has to do. Do you believe that? Are you understanding it here? If you don't understand it, write to me. I've opened a forum on the website, hsiweb.org. There's a forum over there. I'm going to open a topic when I go home called Grace. And if there are any questions that you have, ask it. Because for too long have we been taught the wrong things and we've been living under a burden that God doesn't want you to have. And that is the reason I'm over here to tell you, hey, shed the burden, okay? Live the abundant life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, and basically maim you. And sometimes for life, the thief comes and condemns you. The thief comes and kind of convicts you. The thief comes and does all kinds of things to you to steal away the blessings that God has given you for free. And what is the best way to steal something is to tell you it's not for free. That's what he's telling you. He says, if you don't put enough, enough, enough effort in doing this, God is going to say, hey, not enough effort, you're not worthy. You can put in a lot of effort and God will give you a lot more. How many times have you heard this? Let me tell you another story, okay? Reverse, reverse engineering today. There was a wealthy landowner and he had a plantation. And one day he woke up early in the morning and the crops were ready to be planted. So he sent his people out and said, get people in and tell them you'll give them $1 for the day. So they went out and they got laborers. This was about six o'clock in the morning. At nine o'clock, there was still a lot of work. Workers needed. So the man went into the marketplace. He saw a few people hanging around and said, do you need some work? And the guy said, yes. He said, come, I'll pay you what I can. Three hours later, he goes again and there are people in the marketplace idling around. And he says, are you looking for work? And they said, yes. He said, come, I got work for you. I will pay you something at the end of the day. At three o'clock in the afternoon, again, he goes out and brings people again to the vineyard and says, hey, do you, do you know, work for me and I'll pay you. Then it was six o'clock, time for the day to finish, time to pay the laborers. He said, the people who came in last come first. So they came, the ones who came in at three o'clock, and he gave them one dollar. Now the people who came in the morning were promised how much? They saw these guys who worked only for three hours get one dollar. So what are they thinking in their heads? They're doing the math. <laughs> Three hours means one dollar. Twelve hours means four dollars. So they're like, oh, today's my lucky day. I'm going to go. I'm going to tell my wife, look, baby, I got four dollars. Let's party. When they go there, they get only one dollar. Oh, dear me. How unfair. Don't you agree? Don't answer. You're in trouble if you answer. <laughs> but I know, I know, I know, I know psychology. I know how people think. And I know that you were in place of this person who started in the morning at 6 o'clock, worked 12 hours till 6 o'clock, saw somebody who worked for 3 hours get $1. You will think, I'm going to get it. And if you didn't get it, what would happen? <sighs> Tell me I'm not true. Tell me I'm not right. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because God loves us all equally. Doesn't matter you're the first son, the second son, 
the fifth son, the 555th son, he loves you the same. And in that one dollar is contained all the blessings that you need. In that one dollar is all the treasure you require for an entire existence on this earth. And if you resent someone else for getting paid as much as you did, you haven't understood the Father's love and you will not understand grace. And because you don't understand grace, you will not understand the rewards that God has to give. Everything. When I say I'm rich, you better believe I'm rich. I got everything. I'm in the house. I want to take all of you in. I know some of you are in the house too. Some of you have taught me things. Some of you have helped me come to an understanding of these things. The other people in the house have been enjoying these things. And they said, Anil, you still don't understand. And they've been teaching me. And I want to teach you the same thing. First, get into the house. There's a party going on. And they're playing your kind of music, whatever that kind of music might be. And the second thing, when you're in the house, start to live like you belong. Start to live like that house is yours, not like you're a guest in the house who's going to be kicked out any moment. Start to live like every single thing in that house is yours to have, that you can go into the kitchen and you can help yourself to whatever is in the fridge because it belongs to you. That you can go into the treasury and take whatever is there because it belongs to you. That you can do basically whatever you want, which is be happy, be peaceful, be joyful, because it belongs to you. You want to stay out of the house and you want to keep trying to work in the fields while there's a party going in the house? You are, say it, very good. Say it like I taught you. Stupid. Stupid. I must be the only preacher who calls people stupid and kind of gets away with it. (laughs) But you're not stupid, I know that. God has brought you here and I hope he's given you understanding. And that is the faith you need to have. Does it involve doing anything? No, it just involves in believing. Yes? Are you ready for another hallelujah? Before we say the hallelujah, I want us to understand what we're saying the hallelujah for. We're saying the hallelujah that God has taken us home. And it's saying that we are his sons and his daughters. We're saying hallelujah for the fact that we are getting treasure beyond imagination. Not because we've done anything to earn it. But simply because of his extraordinary love and his amazing grace. Hallelujah. Please be seated. By the way, between the first hallelujah and the second hallelujah, there have been about 22 people here have been healed. The second thing that we need to do, when I say do, you've got to understand that do doesn't mean hard work, okay? The second thing you need to do is to have humility. You know what humility is? It's the opposite of pride. Because God... Opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the 
One of the reasons God doesn't let us earn our way into salvation is so that nobody can boast, okay? That's in the scripture verse that we learned last week and the week before. And I just want to put up that one point. Go and read that. Can we read it again, please? Just one more time, a little slower with meaning. We can't boast that we have been saved on our own. Veronica, is that you? Uh, bless you, my child. May you live a hundred years. With your husband, of course. <laughs> we like to believe sometimes, like the Pharisees, that we're earning our way to salvation. And sometimes, not only do we like to boast about ourselves, we like to boast that we brought our spouses or our children to salvation. Have you ever realized that very often you'll have a woman or a man crow about how their prayers and their efforts and their sacrifices brought their spouse to salvation? Or how they went on their knees day after day after day and continued to talk to their children about God and all these sacrifices they made so that their son or their daughter could be saved? He doesn't like it. And I need you to know that if you want your household members to be saved, you better believe that it's God who does the saving and not you. One of the reasons this ministry is growing is because we believe that everything that is done is by God. And all we are are mouthpieces are not very good ones at that. And we believe that it is his power and his grace and his love that brings people to salvation. I need us to understand this too because you can't take the glory away from God. He's a jealous God. He doesn't like to share his glory with anybody and why should he? It's all his doing. And we should never ever try to take even a little bit of that glory. I have a son and the story has a lot of meaning to me. Because my son is kind of wild like I used to be. Not to say I'm not wild now, I'm pretty wild still, right? Don't you think? But it's wild in a good way now. Yeah? I kind of do things like jumping out of planes at 15,000 feet. That is not something that most preachers, you know, would do. But that's because I still have that sense of adventure. But I get that adventure in a nice way through Jesus these days. I don't need to engage in sin. I don't need to finish a bottle of Shivas or kind of go gambling to get that sense of adventure because I'm having the time of my life with God. Now my son has inherited a lot of things from me. Fortunately, he's never picked up the habit of drinking or smoking. But he is a very intelligent boy and he questions things a lot. And a few years ago, he decided to do what I did a few years ago and say, hasta la vista, I'm going. And because I know better, I didn't do anything to stop him other than tell him, I love you. The reason I didn't stop him is because I knew that God 
keeps his promises. And God said that if you are saved, you and your family are saved. And I also believed that God notices what I'm doing. And if I'm saving other people's children, he will look after my own. So I was at peace. Other people worried and other people said I should do things. i like, what? I don't know. What do they want me to do? Take a stick and say, come back and be good. A few months ago, he ran into difficulties like I ran into difficulties. Not to the extent I did, but then he's not as stubborn as I am. And I can see God working in me to reach out to him. Because when he came back, I didn't say a thing except I love you. He changes. Why? Because of that love. You change because of that love. When you're accepted. When someone's not with you all the time, hitting you on the head and saying, do this, don't do this. You will change because in the face of love, you cannot not change. Are you listening to me? You want to change your spouses, I know. You want to, I, like, I like that laugh. You want to change your children, I know. Let me tell you one big truth. You can't because you don't have the power. And you might go and wave your finger at your husband and say, you drunkard, stop drinking, get on that couch. I'll bet you anything you want, you'll drink more. True. Get on your son's case and say, study, you idiot. Otherwise, you will fail and you'll become a chaprasi somewhere. You'll study less. You know it. You know it. Don't you know it? Trust God. Trust in his power. Trust in his amazing grace. You don't. You can't do anything. You can't even tie your shoelaces. I can't tie my shoelaces either. That's why I buy boots. <laughs> but there is nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to change anybody. And you know the reason you can't do that? Is because once again you're stealing the glory from God. Now I know some of you have the question. I am with God. I am with God and he never listens to me. I had a person who wrote to me afterwards. A heartbroken man. He really sympathized with the elder son and he explained why. And he said, I've been with God and he never answers my prayers. And so I went to scripture and this is what I found. Listen to me. <clears throat> James 4, 1 to 7. Say James 4. James 4. 1 to 7. What causes fights? Don't look that. Switch it off. Look at me. If Jesus was preaching, you'd look at him and look at the screen. <laughs> this is him talking to you. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
You ask God and you think that he's going to give it to you. And even the good things he doesn't give you because you are not asking with the right motives. You're asking with the motive of being glorified and honored. So that you will be acknowledged as somebody great. And God's not going to do that. Are you listening to me? All those of you are trying to save your spouses, are you listening to me? All those of you are trying to save your children, are you listening to me? All those who are trying to save the world, are you listening to me? You can't do anything and God is not even going to listen to you. No matter how many Hail Marys and Our Fathers you rattle off because it's not about him, it's about you. And you can fast and you can pray morning, noon and night and he's not going to listen to you because it's not done out of the right motives. You think he cannot see your heart? Do it for him. And do it for love for your brother. Real love for your brother. And let God see that you don't want anything out of it. And he will answer your prayers. Are you listening to me, church? Good. This is mana. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if you want grace and you want God to answer your requests, you better be humble. Humble doesn't mean acting like a worm and saying I'm this insipid, useless person, Lord. I'm good for nothing. If God looked at you, he'd give you one. <laughs> you think I made you a worm? Have you seen a worm? Look in the mirror and see if you see a worm over there or you see somebody who's made in my image and likeness. A worm, it seems. <laughs> That's why you like this preacher. He shouts at you, but he makes you laugh too. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives favor, gives grace to the humble. You want favor with God, be humble. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And then he says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come nearer to you. And that brings me to point number three, communion. God is in the house. <clears throat> You're in the house too. The only problem is God is in one room, you're in the other room. Say, Father, and start to move towards God, and Father will start to move towards you. Are you listening to me? And Father will say to you, you know what? You got inside you everything that you need. In this verse that we just read, Paul was talking of the spirit within us, about God saying the spirit is within us. Have you heard of heart-to-heart -heart conversation? That's your wife, right? Do you have heart-to-heart -heart talks? Show me how that works. <laughs> Never mind. Never sit in the first rows. <laughs> With God, it is spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. And I need you to understand this because if you understand this, it's worth the admission ticket for today. You know we got charged if you're coming here, right? No, you don't? No, of course not. Everything is free. Absolutely. Relax. 
That is grace, by the way, okay? That imagine that you thought that if you came here, you had to pay. But after you walked in here, you realized everything is free. You'd be an idiot if you say, can I pay for that? When you've got something for free. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you don't contribute. Spirit-to-spirit <laughs> <coughs> -spirit communication is, listen to this now. God has given you his spirit. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, and then I'm going to close. This spirit is inside you, okay? Now, where is your spirit in heaven? You made a trade. No, you didn't make a trade. Your spirit is also in you. And what do you think the two spirits are doing? They're talking. And if you're listening, then you will hear what the spirit of God is saying to your spirit. And sometimes, like the Bible says, the spirit will testify with our spirit that we are children of God. It says in the Bible, they're testifying. God's spirit is whispering to our spirit, hey buddy, you know what? You're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you're an heir of God, which means that everything that belongs to God belongs to you. And your spirit gets very excited. Really? Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Thank you so much. Please tell God how happy I am, how grateful I am. And God's spirit tells the father, guess what? Their spirit is very happy and they're thanking you for it. And that is it. Holiness is that. The spirits, Holy Spirit communicating to your spirit and kind of telling you what you should do and how you should do it. And when you understand this, as I hope, I've prayed for today, I'm telling you, I've prayed for today, that all of you will grasp this simple truth. And please, none of you come to me and say, it is too simple. You want to make it hard? Go back to wherever you came from. Continue to try to work your way to salvation and good luck with that. You want it easy? Come here. Not to me, to Jesus, okay? Now, before I conclude, I just want to give you a verse. And I have my brother Rowan to thank for this because he pointed this out to me. And it kind of, you know, it, it sent my head spinning around. And that's always a good thing because then I make your head spin. Can we bring up John chapter 14, verse 15, please? Read that. Stop. <clears throat> Tell me what that means. If we keep his commands. Isn't that what everybody reads? If you keep the commands, God is going to give you his Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? What? Yeah, if you love me, you will keep my commands and then I will give you my Holy Spirit if you love me. Yes. Everybody agrees with that? Let me just say it a little differently to you. You know, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I'll give you my Holy Spirit who will make you keep those commands. He'll help you to do them. He will be in you and he'll keep talking to your spirit, showing you the way to holiness. Showing you the way to perfection. Showing you the way to come closer to me. If you love me, you really will do that. And I'm going to make it possible through my spirit. Do you see the difference? Start reading the Bible again and start seeing the difference everything makes when you start looking at things from this angle. And then he continues. And this spirit, go on, next verse. And this advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. 
And that is what the Holy Spirit is going to do to you here tonight. He's going to remind you all the things that were spoken here tonight. Things said by Jesus, things said by his people. Why will he do that? Because he has a purpose for it. And the purpose is so that you have peace. And that's how Jesus concludes this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. I do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So many of you have lived your entire Christian lives afraid. What is God going to do if I do this or I don't do this? So many of us have lived Christian lives that are troubled and disturbed. We have constantly people telling us all kinds of rubbish. They bring the Old Testament and the New Testament, put them together, give you a hodgepodge and say, this is what you need to do. See, the Word of God says it. Understand there's a new covenant and this new covenant is a covenant of grace and love. And don't let anyone ever shove the old covenant into your face and says, you need to follow these laws. You need to follow these rules. Because what Jesus did was say, I give you a new covenant, the covenant of my blood. It's an everlasting covenant and nobody's ever going to take this away from me. So be at peace. Be at peace in your mind. Be at peace in your heart. There is no condemnation for those of you who believe in me. I am the only one who can judge and I choose to forgive you instead of judging you. And I set you free. Come into my house and stay in my house. And over there you'll get all the blessings you need forevermore. And that is what I want you to understand here tonight, church. This is home, not this room. Your faith, you're returning to God. You are home. Let's start living like people who belong to that home and trust that God will finish everything that he started in us because it's all about him and what he does in you and to you and through you. Amen? Amen. Now at home, imagine if you want a castle and in a castle you have refuge. In a castle, your protection. In a castle, there is nobody who can touch you. And just believe that as you're in that castle and you sing this song, worshiping this wonderful God, whatever you came here for, whether it was healing or freedom or blessings or anointing, it is yours to have. Say, so you believe? believe? Really? Yes. Show me how happy you are if you believe then. Let's all stand up and let's sing. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org, and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.